Howdy, howdy do, Who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And this is episode 320. Yes. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective view, more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. And not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes. And it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy, howdy, do Doctor Who fans, welcome back to another week. This is episode 320. I hope you're all keeping safe and healthy. I hope you've had a cracking week and that you've managed to do something Doctor Who related. Re- related. Oh, gosh, I love the mark there. Doctor Who related. Oh. Oh, missed it. Doctor Who related, yeah. Missed it, mate. <laughs> 320 is upon us. It's a quiet one, though. No news this week. No. Now that the BBC has uh, released its biannual bit of news, <laughs> it seems, that's it now for a while, I think. I don't think we're going to get much else until we get closer to Series 13 dropping. Yeah, that's what I reckon. I, I think so. Yeah. So it is very quiet on the old news front. We haven't got anything to talk about. I did see a couple of, a couple of uh, newspaper reports where They've added another couple of names into the mix for who's going to be the next Doctor. Sue Pollard? <laughs> Isn't that... Um, I keep seeing that name going around. It's not, yeah, it's a... With the glasses. Heidi high. Heidi yeah, high. Uh, only, yeah. only a certain... Only a listener of a certain age will know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. I think Michael Sheen is the one that everyone keeps talking I mean, he would have been, he, he would be great. Um, I can't see it happening, mind. Not, not at this point in time. Um, but I think... Uh, maybe in the future or he would have been great for example when matt left you know somebody like michael sheen mm. uh, i think he'd be a great doctor I, I i would love to see him be the doctor but i think uh at the moment i can't see that happening with the show i think uh people want a certain 
doctor. Um, I don't know. I don't think he fits the mould that they're looking for at the minute. But yeah, he would be awesome. Maybe in the future. Yeah, he is pretty cool. Yeah, the Sheen. Yeah, he's in that uh, other thing, isn't he? With your mate, Mister Tennant, David Tennant. <laughs> um, the go. Uh, what's it called Good Omens? Do you watch that one? Oh, Good Omens. Yeah, David, that was pretty cool. David Tennant and yeah. uh, Michael Sheen. Yeah, they were good together in that. I could totally see him in the Doctor. Yeah, they would be good. They're doing a second series of it, actually. They are, yeah. I see, yeah. Very good beard at the minute. Yeah, Michael good Shane. beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good beard. Very good. Had a Welsh beard. Yeah, a bit of Welsh beard, I know, you know. But yeah, it's, um, so we had that name thrown in, Michael Sheen, and then we've had some showrunner names now that Chibbers oh, yeah. has been fired. We've now got a couple of other people. <laughs> so uh, the only name that stands out for me is uh, somebody called Sally Wainwright. Now, her name popped up before, before Chibbers was announced, uh, and Jodie's era kicked off. Her name was in the mix before, actually. Was um, it? Oh, okay. Yeah, so her name's come back up again to replace the Chibinator when he goes. Uh, she's What's the she writer done? that's done, um, you know, Happy Valley, that's been on for a couple of years now. Oh, yes, I watched that, yeah. She's With behind Sarah that Lancashire. one. Sarah yeah. Lancashire, yep. Yeah. And Gentleman Jack, and a couple of other things as well. What Anything sci-fi or uh, Last Tango in Halifax was another one, mm. which was done, which did uh, reasonably well. But nothing. I can't think of anything sort of sci-fi. No, applicable, so what, I, was, I was trying to work out what sort of what's led her to be thrown in the mix. It's, you know, like yeah. I mean, those those programs are good. I watched Happy Valley. I remember it's a good series. But um, yeah, we didn't watch that and think, God, whoever's produced this would be a cracking showrun of Dot Two. I just wonder, yeah, but. Has she done any sci-fi stuff? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think that's been her her wheelhouse up to now. She has done well. I mean, not that you have to. It's not a no. Of course not. No, no. But she, yeah, she's done. I don't think anything sci-fi, mate. No, oh. it's all been sort of dramery. You know, just drama stuff. And I think she did like back in the early nineties when she started. She did like the rounds of the soaps and stuff. So she did Emmerdale and Corey. Oh no, that kind of stuff. But then after that, you know, she's gone in. And uh, and progressed up and sorry, I just I'm saying that because I don't like the soaps. That's the no, reason I'm saying. No. Oh no, I'm not a soap fan at all. Yeah, but she's. Uh, is she, you reckon she might be good? I don't really know I who she is. So, so. yeah, I think really I think the good thing with Sally Wainwright is that as her career is, I don't know her, uh, I don't know much about her work in great depth, but mm. from what I've read very very quickly, after I saw her name that was thrown into the mix, her career has really expanded as she's progressed. So back in the early 90s when she was doing some soap stuff, she was literally just hired as a writer to do, you know, the odd episode here and there in the mix of other writers. But as she's she's gone on, she's then created her own programmes. So things like, uh, what was one of them? Uh, The Amazing Mrs. Pritchard, Scott and Bailey, another show called Bonkers. She's created them, but then she's also produced them and now she's a director as well. So for the last mm. since twenty fourteen, she's she's been she's been credited as writer, producer, director. She's done the whole bag. I see. So I mm. think from that point of view, that probably puts her in good stead. Yeah. Wow. And let's face it, Chris Chibbers, old Chibinators, <laughs> lifelong Doctor Who fan. You know, his era wasn't amazing from our point of view. So does no. she need to have any sort of, like he? No, no. As I said, I, I, you know? yeah, she doesn't need to have a background. No, it's funny because uh, you know I never feel, um, I never feel bad about 
uh, criticised Chivnall, but for the, for the sheer fact that um, because of <laughs> he felt quite entitled to rip into Pip and Jane Baker back in the day in that infamous clip of him where he was saying, yeah, it was boring and it was a lot of running <laughs> around. I think, you know, he, he was pretty, you know, happy to give as good as he got. So, uh, yeah, I never feel too bad about criticising children, I'm afraid. No, um, cool. But, yeah, but it'll be yeah. interesting to see who we get. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and then the other tiny bit of news, not really worth firing up the TARDIS to land and do it properly, but John Barrowman has been added to Wales Comic-Con, mm. which is right. an interesting one. So that's... Uh, we, I'll be interested to see how that plays out because, uh, yeah, as we know, we haven't spoken about it in depth here on the show. But as everybody knows, there has been some some controversy with uh, with old Barrowman over the last year. Is it now mm. ten months to a year, something like that? And uh, yeah, and he's been very not so much quiet on his social media, which is weird. He still he still rock that fairly regularly and. Um, uh, <laughs> um, unapologetically um, <laughs> just kept going on his socials and stuff, but he's not, he certainly hasn't been announced for any kind of media events or has announced any new programs or anything like that. And they cut him obviously from the, uh, from the, um, the inter, the uh, interactive stage show thingamajiggy. That's right. And big finish dropped that audio, didn't they? Yeah. Oh yeah. And big finish dropped as well. So it's been a, uh, you know, a bad, a bad kind of, t- I mean, from the outside looking in, you wouldn't really know it if you just, if you follow his Instagram still and stuff like that. You wouldn't really know it from his point of view. But yeah, so this is the first time that he's going to be out in public since all of that stuff happened. And uh, he's just doing the same stuff. It's all the meet and greet stuff, the photo ops and all that. So it will be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how that goes down because, I mean, I know a lot of fans of... Um kind of how can i say it feel disappointed in him um so i don't know i i, I mean if me personally i wouldn't be interested in meeting him at this point i not because i mean that stuff that you know everybody knows about that's been kicked off i mean that that's been sort of out there in the ether for a while but it's just the way he's handled himself since i've not been very impressed with and uh that tweet he put out about the film that he was disappointed in and he tagged the director and demanded a refund i just thought that was really poor so yeah, I, yeah. I kind of just looked at it and thought yeah he's, he's kind of like i used to love i mean i still like the character the captain jack and i used to think barryman was cool he was like mr showbiz or whatever but yeah he's gone down to my estimations a bit i gotta be honest so i wouldn't be too oh, i met him years ago i got a, i got a cool photo with him somewhere but yeah personally i wouldn't be too bothered about meeting him but it's, it's nice for anybody that does yeah no read you. i have to say though mate wales comic-con Every Ooh. single year, mm. they—I tell you what—they're—they're—that's the event. They're, 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 that's the event to go to these days, mate. I reckon. I've never been, and uh, their lineup is—is is oh. it? If I'm thinking of the right one, is it the one with Matt, Karen? Have they got David? I don't know. Well, it's yeah. I was having a look through um, when I saw this news about John Barrowman last night. I jumped mm. onto the website and thought, I'll have a quick looky, see what they're doing these days. So this is the one that's coming up in November. So this is the weekend of the 20th and the 21st this year. So it's in Telford. So, uh, yeah, very loosely Wales. That's nearly as bad as when we used to go to the Slough one and they used to advertise it as Windsor. Windsor, It's like, because it sounds so much nicer. Windsor, this is Slough. (laughs) I read you. Yeah. So I'd look through the guest list and mate, they are, they have absolutely smashed it this year. Wow. 
So we've got Karen Gillan. Oh, yes. She's there representing um, not only Doctor Who, but she's a big star now. So She is. The Avengers from Marvel and all that stuff. Yeah. Loads of Star Wars peeps, uh, which I come on to. Loads of people from Lord of the Rings, but Billy Piper's there. Billy, yeah. Yeah, loads of people from the Harry Potter films. Um, Jason Isaacs, you know, from that film and Star Trek and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're into your classic TV, we've got loads of people from Stargate and Star Trek. Loads of people from the Buffy program. Ah. Uh, Arthur Darville's there. Oh, cool. Representing his Marvel stuff as well as... Um, you remember the program Gotham that was on the Batman series? Yes, so yes. So Sean Pertwee, he's going to be there with loads oh. of other people. Uh, David Bradley's there. Oh, nice. Julian Glover, loads of people from Game of Thrones. Uh, loads of people involved in animation. And then we've got Kai Owen, Gareth David Lloyd, uh, Noko Mori, all from Torchwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got McCoy, Davison, Colin Baker, Paul McGann. They're all there. Wow. It's going to be an awesome one, dude. And then... Um, yeah, is it just, Matt Smith there or is that something else? Uh, Matt Smith's not at this one. Oh, okay. But, oh, uh, yeah, but really good representation from Doctor Who mm. and some other good franchises. And they haven't finished announcing guests yet either. So it's going to be a good one. That's, the, that's for me, that's the one to go to because it's in a, it's in a slightly better venue than, than LFCC. <laughs> that wouldn't be hard. I, I, I must admit, I'm holding off, um, holding off buying any tickets to cons at the minute. Just, I'm just so because because you can't get your money back. You know, it rolls over if they cancel. It just rolls over to whenever they reschedule it. I just literally wouldn't. I won't buy anything to the very last second <laughs> right now. Uh, apart from phantom events because uh, they're pretty. They've got their stuff together there. They've got a system going, so it's uh, very unlikely they'd cancel. So they they're, they're quite safe, but. Uh, any of the big ones, um, I'm like literally the night before I might get a ticket. But yeah, it does sound good. It I does, mate. That's a good lineup, yeah. Yeah. Don't know how I'd get to Telford, mine, but yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's loosely mm. named Wales <laughs> Comic Con. But anyway, Barrowman's going to be there. They haven't added him to the website just yet, but he's going to be there. So that will be, I mean, on the. Uh, on the Facebook page that Wales Comic Con did for it, there was loads of comments on it, about 130-odd comments the last time I looked. And I have to say, one I didn't see that there weren't any negative comments anyway. Oh, really? Yeah, pretty oh, much I- all of them that I read through said, oh, I can't wait to meet him, glad he's back on the scene, blah, blah, blah. So I was going to say, I saw, I only looked at Twitter, which I should have known better, but Twitter is, is the absolute opposite. It's absolutely full of... Um, people who uh, don't want in there so yeah it's very much the other side of fandom mm. fandom indeed <laughs> so that's uh yeah we've got no proper news to talk through but tell us about your book and your reading come on yeah yeah so i, I was gonna say i was saying to gary before we kicked off i finished the um uh, elizabeth sladen biography last night and uh it, it's brilliant it's 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 such a good biography um normally when you get you know a biography they take so long to get to the bits you're interested in, don't they? So that you'll have a few chapters about where they grew up and then they sort of detour on about their family and you're like, yeah, yes, yeah, it's all good. But tell me about Doctor Two. Not this one. Um, it's just so, it just flows so well. It's uh, the way she's written it. So she, you do sort of learn all about her and her family, but it's pretty much the whole book's about her time on Doctor Who. Um, so you sort of, I didn't find myself thinking, yeah, God, I hope she, you know, like Eccleston's book, for example, which was great but there's hardly any Doctor Who in it. And uh, even Tom Baker's biography, there's minimal <laughs> Doctor <laughs> Who mentioned in it. Uh, but this one, it's pretty much her whole biography. She just talks about 
her time on on Doctor Who and uh, the convention circuit, and obviously Sarah Jane and Canine and Company. It was just honestly, I I could not. Every time I finished a chapter, I just wanted to continue because you used to like she'd sort of finished talking about. John Pertwee, for example, and then she'd be like, you know, I'll turn the page, like, I'm at the end of that chapter, and the first word you'd see would be like, so, Tom Baker, and I'd be like, oh no, now I want to hear about his stories with Tom Baker, but oh, it's <laughs> half twelve at night, I'll, I'll, you know, I have to finish it tomorrow. It's just one of those books, mate, that I just loved reading from start to finish, and um, the interesting thing for me was, because I've never known, I didn't know if she got on with John Pertwee or not, because I knew that she was really fond of Tom, I knew that her and Tom got on well, but because the, the chemistry was never quite the same with Pertwee. I wasn't sure if they got on with each other, or, you know, off screen. Um, and she really talks a lot about John in this. And I, I've, that was what I found really interesting was to learn about their relationship and, um, you know, how he she adored John, mm. uh, even though at times he drove her absolutely mad. Um, she just loved him, but he could be quite full on. And uh, the way she describes it, you can just picture the scene and um it's so well written it's actually written by her so it's you know it's not sort of somebody writing her biography it's actually written by liz sladen uh, i just can't recommend it enough if anyone hasn't you know read it or whatever um because when i posted the picture of it uh the tweet went mad people were like is this new where can i get this and i'm like no it's it's been out years and it's been sat on my shelf years waiting to be read i bought it when it first came out and um i don't know why it's taken me so long to read it uh but no it, it's been out for a long time i think when you last looked it up, they've changed the cover slightly on it as well since I bought it. So uh, I just can't recommend it enough. And you would love it because it talks about, you know, when she started a school reunion and meeting Tennant and going for a meal with Russell and, and Phil Connison and them sort of persuading her to be in it because she really wasn't sort of sure about coming back to Doctor Who and, you know, all that stuff. And then it leads right up to Sarah Jane, of course, and talks about that's the sort of last part of the book is talking about Sarah Jane adventures. But it's a really honest and frank biography um really really great book so uh yeah i really recommend that i just kept thinking of you because we both loved sarah jane as well just there were so many bits in it where i was thinking sort of I almost imagine turning to you and nodding and going yeah yeah agree with that i know what she means by that and that you know stuff she was saying really really good book uh, and the other thing i've done is i listened to a little audio book <laughs> uh, the other day this is a strange one so did you see this new it's just come out and it's called doctor who bessie come home and it's a, a little audiobook, and it's written by Paul Marks. I'm never sure you say his surname. And it's told from the point of view of Bessie. And I thought, <laughs> well, how's that going to work? This sounds a bit, it's just, you know, is it a gimmick? Is it, you know, what's, how's that going to work? It's really lovely. It's really, really cool. It's about just over an hour long. And it is told from the point of view of the car, which sounds strange, but without going into sort of too much detail, it really works. So the Stephanie, what's her name? Stephanie Cole voices the car she sort of tells the story she's brilliant um she i couldn't place the name at first she used to be in a tv series called was it waiting for god she was like the grumpy old granny familiar yeah i think it's her i think i think it's her i hope i'm right in saying that yeah she's brilliant and it kind of goes through the doctor's stories but integrates them into a story and it's really touching i can't really explain it it's one of those things you just have to hear it there was a little bit where I found myself getting emotional. I was like, this is ridiculous. It's just an audio book, but it, it's just charming. It's such a lovely story uh, and it's really well written as well. So I gave that, gave that a listen. Uh, so I've had quite a nice uh, couple of days really doing a few who bits and I've just 
watched the new Ninth Doctor trailer that dropped from Big Finish this morning. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that yep. yet? Yeah, I've watched it? that this morning. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. So that's got me buzzing for that. I might uh, try and give that a listen later on, but the trailer's awesome. Mm. They are they are knocking out of the park with their trailers lately, Big Finish. Not to mention yeah. the artwork they're coming out with. They're kind of, um, <laughs> for me, they're keeping things going. They're, they're doing some great stuff at the minute. As always, yeah. Yeah, but that's a cracking trailer. Uh, sorry, Big Finish, yeah. No, it's a great trailer. Mm. I love those YouTube ones where they go all out and, yeah, the graphics and just the productions, just always, like you said, knocking it out of the park. Yeah. Chris's voiceover is really cool on it. Like he's sort of giving this little speech over the top of it. It's really, really, really good. Mm. Yeah. Just, I'm just Googling Stephanie Cole, 79. Oh, I don't mean to be rude. I thought she was older than that because when she was in waiting for <laughs> when she was in waiting for God, was that was that what it was called? She was she looked quite old in that, unless mm. she was made up to look older than she was. But yeah, yeah. I was talking about this the other day with somebody, not about um, not about that particular person, but with some actors, it's really strange, isn't it? That when we were younger and we used to watch movies or TV shows, that person was old back then. Yeah, and now we fast forward in time to current to the current time, and they're still old. It's it's really weird. Mm. Someone like Tom Selleck, we were Tom Selleck. You know, we were saying that back in the day when he was in some of those Magnum. cheesy films, like yeah, like Magnum PI and Three uh, Men and a Baby, Three Men and a Little, like, you know, whatever it is. He looked, especially those ones, Three Men and a Baby and stuff. He looked sort of old then. You thought he was in his fifties. And then you fast forward 30 years and he's not 90 odd, obviously, but he's still, it's, he's old. Like, it's really weird that some people look old. Maybe they just looked more mature than what they were back in the day. Well, like, I don't know. People, like John Pertwee, I always thought he always looked not old, but he always looked sort of the same age because he had that sort of white hair, didn't he? You know, he's like one of those people that just seem to stay this, looking the same. Yeah, so he looked old yeah. when he was young, I think, if that makes sense. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's just weird, that, isn't that look yeah. about him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, strange. Strange times, but yeah, that book sounds really cool, dude. I need to pick that up. That I, I, genuinely, book. Yeah. when I finished, I just thought Gary would love this, and um, and I know a lot of our listeners would because it's just a lovely, and the fact it's written by her as well, so uh, it's very frank. You can just imagine Liz actually saying it. I don't know if there's an audio book of it. I'd love to hear her actually reading it. I'll have to check on that. There might be, um, but you can just hear it in her voice if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, like when she's telling John Pertwee off, you can just sort of hear her saying it, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. not telling him off, but when she's sort of putting him in his place uh, at one point, you just think, yeah, I can hear, I can hear her doing that. And him going, oh, sorry, Lizzie. And she, cause he keeps calling her Lizzie all the time and stuff. You know, you can just sort of hear it. It's brilliant. Yeah. Some really nice uh, stories in it. Really nice. Um, what do they call it? Anecdotes? No. Oh yeah. True yeah. stories. Yeah, yeah. Stories that are true. Oh. I don't know. Yeah. Really nice bits in it. Mm. Yeah. Nice man. Yeah. Yeah. That's up cool. at some point. Yeah. So that's been your week. Uh, I've had a. I've not done anything who this week, dude. Not had time to do who related stuff. No, this busy. week. Nope. No who stuff for me. So we can uh, we can move on. Nice and easy for me. So before we crack on with our review, uh, remember to subscribe or follow us on whatever podcast app you listen to your podcast on. That way you won't miss a show when they land every single Friday. Uh, some people have got in touch to say that our last episode from last week wasn't updating wasn't visible in apple podcasts or itunes so apologies for that i'm not quite sure what's happening with that it's on there now it only showed up last night weirdly our latest step on there so i was i got in contact with apple as usual they were useless couldn't really give me any help other than just 
it just sucks to be you, doesn't it? <laughs> that kind of thing. So uh, nothing there. So it's, I'm not sure what's happening with that. So I'll keep an eye on it and, and start beating them up a bit more if uh, it happens again. But yeah, whatever, just whatever app you listen on, uh, just do a search for us. You'll find us on there or there are links on the website, which is www.bigbluebotspodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our shows on the website as well, all for free. So go and check those out. And also check out our really cool reviews and articles from our team. We've had a slew of them that went mm. live recently. So Jordan's been rocking and rolling this week. And on, so that was on Monday. He put up his review for The War Doctor Begins, the Forged in Fire story from Big Finish. Uh, sounds pretty good. And then yesterday, on Tuesday, it was another Big Finish review. It was The Lady Christina, Series 2. An interesting one, that one. Mm. And then today... Uh, this is Wednesday the 11th. He put a book review. That was The Legends of Camelot book review with David Tennant on the front with the 3D glasses and the Sonic looking very nice at the round 3D table. 3D glasses again. I always think about what you said, how he, he only wore them that one story and yeah. they always get used, don't they? Yeah. yeah, it's weird. Very weird. And then our brand new writer, Harry, he's put a new article out today oh. as well. And this is, um, it's like a bit of a, some information from the other side of the coin. So listeners will know that we've been relatively critical of Chibnall's era. Uh, you know, we're not the, the biggest fans. We don't hate it, but we're not the biggest fans of it. Whereas Harry has put an article together to say, actually, uh, Chibnall era is actually pretty good. So his article was called In Defense of Chibnall Who? So that's a, an interesting take on on uh, and Harry's thoughts on that. So give that a listen. Uh, give that and a read, sorry. And do give it a read because we've sacked him now that he said that. No, no we haven't. That. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you disagree with us, Harry? <laughs> yeah, so welcome aboard, Harry. Uh, a very cool article to kick off your uh, your time on the Big Blue Box. That's very cool. And then tomorrow, uh, yesterday, if you're listening to this on launch day, Jordan's put another review out. This is uh, He's picking up the old, you know, the old Virgin Adventures books from back do, in the day. Yeah. So he's reviewed a couple of them. So he's reviewed uh, Strange England and first frontier so where does he find the time for all this stuff gary right i'd love to time lord he is i know he is if you could throw a few more hours over our way jordan in (laughs) a day that'd be awesome thank you so loads of cool content on the website all of the podcast episodes all of the reviews and articles go and check it all out we're on the socials too instagram twitter and facebook links on the website come and give us a follow there we've got a free discord server as well Sign up and come and hang out with other Doctor Who fans. Lots of chat on everything to do with Doctor Who over there. New episodes, um, conventions and events and stuff, merchandise, big finish, the whole shebang. And lastly, we cannot forget. No, I won't let you forget. We cannot forget (laughs) the epic YouTube channel content from Adam, of course. It's called The Geek's Handbag. Geeks Hamburg, yes. Go and have a look at my YouTube channel. Loads of cool vids on there. Go and check it yes, out. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, Adam's on the socials too, so go and stalk him and, and chat to him <laughs> on there on the, the socials under the same name, the Geeks Handbag. So go and check all that stuff out. Right, dude. Hit us up for the review. What we got? Yeah, so we're delving into Matt Smith's era with the second part of season seven. And uh, this one's called The Bells of St. John. Clara Oswald. Who are you? Why are you here? Because we miss people we're going have a target right now. What is that thing? There's something living in the Wi-Fi, harvesting human minds. 
he's here. You and me inside that box now. I'm sorry. The people of this world will not be controlled. Doctor Who on BBC One and BBC One HD. On BBC One HD, Ooh. no less. Yeah, and that bassy theme, bom, 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 which we never got released. Mm. Bom, 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 bom. Bom, bom, bom. Yeah. I reckon, do you think Murray just didn't like that theme or what? Just uh, strange how we never released that. Mm. So we did get a soundtrack for Series 7, didn't we? Yeah, that, wasn't, that. that wasn't on it, no. Because mm, they changed the theme very slightly as well from the beginning of Series 7. Oh, did they? Yeah, there's some very slight variations in it. Mm. Yes. Anyway, the Bells of St. John. It was first broadcast back on the 30th of March in 2013. 45 minutes long, written by The Mothbag, directed by Colm McCarthy. Stars Matt Smith and Jenna Coleman. Or Jenna Louise Coleman. Oh, she's still doing that at this point, yeah. Oh, she is. What's she known as these days? Is it Louise? No, no, that's what I meant. Uh, Back then, she she still used the Louise, didn't she? Which she dropped. Oh, she dropped. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And synopsis is London, present time, for the time, 2013. Danger, this is a warning, a warning to the whole world. You're looking for Wi-Fi, sometimes you see something a bit like this. Guy holds up a sign, don't click it, do not click it. Anyway, that's the quote. When Clara Oswald has problems with her internet, she's given a telephone number, the number of the best helpline in the universe, quote unquote. (laughs) When the doctor answers at the other end, Clara is pulled into a life of adventure and mystery. But danger is lurking in the signals, picking off minds and imprisoning them. It's like immortality, only fatal. But can the Doctor save Clara before? I don't know where I am. Lots of quotes in that synopsis. Mm. Yes. Right, man. I know this is going to be an interesting review, this one. Series 7 is always a talking point. So, dude, kick us off. What do you think of the bells of St. John? Steve <laughs> John, yeah, it's uh, see, series seven is an odd, odd time, isn't it? You know, the, this split that we got, and um, I'm looking at the episodes we got in the second half as well, and god, it's a bit of a mixed bag, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> Bells of St. John, um, it's enjoyable, but also very forgettable. I like, I watched it again last night, and I, I remember thinking this that you know, when it aired back in when was it 2013. I remember when it finished thinking, <clears throat> that was fun, but I'm looking forward to, you know, it, it didn't leave any impression on me really. And it's not an episode I go back to uh, very often at all. It seems to be, it's one of those that's um, enjoyable to watch. If it was on the TV, I'd quite happily sit there and watch it. But it's missing that sort of uh, edge that makes me want to return to it um, at all. And I, I don't know if it's just because the threat maybe is missing a bit. Yeah, even though I think Celia Imri, I think she's great, you know, great casting. Um, but you've got the great intelligence pop up at the end. And uh, I'd kind of forgotten all about that. I was like, oh, yeah, Richard E. Grant. You know, and that feels like it should be quite a big moment, but kind of just isn't. Uh, you've got Matt riding up the shard on a bike, which I remember at the time thinking was ridiculous, but looks good, you know, on screen. Um I don't know, it feels like there's epic moments and there's also really lovely moments between Matt and Clara. So obviously it's her first story as his companion, I suppose, because she sort of popped up a few times and there's this mystery surrounding her. So that's quite interesting. Um, But I don't know, it's just missing that spark. And it's a sort of a, 
would you call it a series opener? Because it's the second half of the series, but it kind of was. We'd had a gap, so it was like, you know, Doctor Who was returning. So you kind of wanted it to come back with a bit of a bang. And um, I'm not sure it quite reaches those heights, really. But it's got some good moments. So I, th- I still think it's a, yeah, it's a, a decent episode. It's just nothing special. It's just a bit forgettable, really. There's not really anything in it. You know, if I, if you say to me, what do you remember from Bell St. John? I just think of the Doctor going up the shard on the bike, and that's really a tiny moment from it. I don't actually think of any plot points or story. Nothing really sticks with me, particularly from this one. Uh, even though I think it's great we get the great intelligence back. I think it's a lovely touch, but, yeah, it's just an okay watch, really. That's all I can say. It's just okay. Uh, mm. And I think you, you've said before, you ha- it's that indifference thing, isn't it? It's like, I'd love yeah. to be able to say, oh, I love this one. Or, oh, this is, I re- I couldn't get into this. Or, you know, it's, but for me, it's that awful middle of the ground. You know, I kind of don't like it really. Because it's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of those for me. Yeah. Yeah. I read you, you, dude. Yeah, I read you. It's, um, yeah, I think the best way to, for me to describe it from my point of view is this episode tries really hard. Mm. It's like really, it's trying really hard to give us a a memorable story, but ultimately it just lands on really the interaction of the Doctor and this trend that started really from this episode onwards. In that Stephen Moffat absolutely loves Clara. Yep. So from as you said we've seen her a couple of she pops up a couple of times before this point doesn't she so this mm. is like the third time i think that we've seen her yeah. so far and it's from this point on that she's established as a, a full-time companion and it's weird because previous to this uh amy you know the other companions they were they had their stories where they where the the focus was on them for sure but it feels like from this point onwards that Clara was like the the the, the main focus for not mm. only a lot of the the stories, but the next what two or three series that she was in it. Yeah, she's even in the intro of one of the Capaldi eras, uh, Capaldi episodes, didn't she? Do you remember? Yes, her face yeah. replaced Capaldi's, and they called it Clara. Who I think, but um, well, I yeah. can't remember if they actually put that in the screen. But yeah, it, it does very much become the Clara show. Um, yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. So I think the moth. I don't know something about this character. He just he just really wanted to focus on that a lot mm. from here on in, and it does continue all the way through until she leaves. Really. So Matt's firing on, on all cylinders for the most part. He's not too bad in this one. I don't. I didn't quite get that. It, it was only in the beginning part of the episode where I felt that spark from him. Really, I felt you know mm-hmm. that that magic that he normally he normally got. And then the last half of the story, I felt he was a little bit, just a little bit flat for me. And then mm-hmm. this whole premise of the Wi-Fi and stuff. Yeah, it's a little bit. Uh, it, it's okay. You know, it just doesn't really, it's nothing exciting, put it that way. And then the reveal of the great intelligence and stuff at the very end, that's kind of cool. You know, that's, mm. that's kind of cool. But I think ultimately, I think I'm in the same camp as you, dude. It's not It's not a terrible episode, but at the same time, it's nothing, it's nothing great, which is weird because they kind of set themselves up for a fall here because they did this strange, let's split the series in two. They 
I'm pretty sure, I'm 99% sure they marketed this as like the big return, like the big mid-season opener, mid-series opener, whatever you want to call it. But it doesn't feel like a series opener. That's the problem. It feels like a kind of semi-filler episode. It does, yeah. Yeah, it's um, probably not classed as a filler because we get introduced to a new companion, even though we've seen her before. So it's a new companion episode and all that stuff. But it does feel filler. That's That's the thing. It's like a... It's like a filler thing. Um, mm. It's funny because, yeah. like you said, it's introducing Clara properly, um, and I do love the fact that Moff. This is, you know, again, this is when I defend Moffat. I love the fact he, you know, he, the imagination from Stephen Moffat, and he did try things, you know, did different things. So I, I love the fact that we got that surprise appearance from the souffle girl back in. Uh, was that in Silent of the Dark? Am I getting confused? No, that's right. When, is that when we first saw her? Souffle girl. Um, yeah. So we get. Yeah, Souffle Girl, and you're like, so that was, it's like, oh, we, we knew she was the new companion, because, you know, obviously it had been announced Jenna Coleman was going to be the new assistant or whatever. So to, to throw her in as, as that, in that Dalek story as a surprise, remember, was like, oh, that's cool. Then we get her as Victorian Clara in the Christmas special that came before this, don't we? The Snowmen. And then obviously we get properly introduced to the Clara Oswald that will become the full-time companion. So, I like, you know, I think it was a good sort of like mystery at the time. And I, I love Moffat for having the imagination to do these things of introducing a companion midway through the series, if you like, even though it was split in two. So I, I like all that stuff. I think that's cool. Okay. I'm not sure it quite panned out <laughs> like, a, like a lot of Moffat's great ideas. Um, I don't know if it panned out as well as it could have done, but I, I love him for, for at least having a go. Do you know what I mean? I just, I always, that's why I will defend Moffat because he does have imagination. He throws things into the mix left, right and center. Maybe just, um, they don't always land. That's all. But yeah, the Clara thing at this point, anyway, I think was intriguing. It was like, well, how has the doctor met her, you know, in these different incarnations and she doesn't know him. And there was a good little mystery there, but as an introductory story for Clara in this one, I don't think she's really utilized that well. Uh, like I don't immediately warm to her. She's a bit cocky, a bit snooty. You know, I don't know. I haven't like she's, I'm not endeared to her in this story. I have to, I have to admit there's a couple of good scenes with her and Matt. Um, I suppose sort of towards the end and there's that nice scene where she's hanging out of the window and Matt's protecting her. He's got the TARDIS part to the side. I like all that stuff. Um, but I don't know. There are other bits where she's like slamming the door in his face and I don't know. She's this nanny character, which is odd. And I, I'd forgotten about Anjin Arty or whatever he's called. Those kids. As soon as I saw them on screen, I was like, Oh no. I've forgotten about those guys. They're terrible. Mm. Uh, thankfully, they're hardly in this episode, so it's all good. Um, but yeah, she's written a bit stupid as well. I mean, she's uh, uh, tw- she's supposed to be twenty four, I think, in this story. When the when the doctor goes through her journal, I think the age at the bottom is twenty four, and she doesn't know how to connect to the internet. I mean, I'm the biggest technophobe in the world. I can't stand anything to do with technology. Um, but even I know how to connect a computer to the Wi-Fi. And uh, I just think there's no way she wouldn't have known how to do that. So that was a bit contrived, that sort of plot thing. But I like the idea of having that weird code that if you click on it, 
I think that's cool because, you know, you might do that if you were sort of, if it had been written a different way, if she was searching through the connections, uh, which one do I need to click on? Oh, this, what's this? You know, but the fact that she doesn't even know how to connect to internet, I thought was a bit silly. But then it leads to that nice scene of her phoning Matt. So I kind of forgive it because I, lo- I love the scene where she phones Matt in the monastery and he's on the TARDIS phone. He's like, who gave you this number? And she's like, the woman in the shop. And I love all that stuff. I thought that was really, really fun. And of course, the woman in the shop is uh, Missy. Yeah, I think it's Missy. Yeah, yeah. I think it because that that <laughs> that's a typical Moffat strand that probably didn't even need to be answered. But I'm I kind of glad he did because he, I think, way way ahead in the future, he finally says, "Oh, it was Missy, by the way, the woman in the shop." Oh, right. Yeah. You know, Moffat loves to leave strands hanging, doesn't he? He loves it, mate. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's not an important one. It's probably not a good example. But yeah, yeah, I loved all that stuff. Though. I thought that was all good fun. Um, I'm not sure about the plane, the airplane scene. Mm. It's fun, but it's ridiculous, really. Like Celia Imri, Imri uh, sorry, what's her character called? The the main villain. Oh, um, Miss Kismet. Miss Kismet. Yeah. So she wants to, she wants to wipe them out. So she decides to just nosedive a plane into the <laughs> bit, bit dark into that. Yeah. a bit dark and a bit yeah i mean yeah i'll just kill everyone just to get rid of these two people um i'm sure there's easier ways she could have done it it's a bit of a sort of a scooby-doo type moment if i could i could just kill you now but i'll do this ridiculously outlandish act of uh, violence and uh, it's not going to work because you're obviously going to escape um but it's a it's a, it's a weird scene that isn't it it's it's fun because i love the bit with the doctor and Clara go in the TARDIS and it's all swirling around and suddenly they're in a plane that's crashing towards the earth. I thought, you know, it's, it's fun, but it's, it's also, if you look at it, you know, it's a bit ridiculous, really. I'm not sure. I think it's a kind of, it just, I could just see the Moffat writing the script thinking, Oh, I need to put some action in. I need to, you know, I need to, we've had a talky scene. Um, need a bit of action now. What can happen? I know. And it just seems to be thrown in there and they deal with it really quickly. And then that fun scene's over and we're back to sort of the actual main story. It just, so there's a couple of little bits like that, which I think just seem to be thrown in there. Like you said, there's epic moments. It's sort of reaching to be this epic episode in lots of places. And then it just goes back to being this sort of one level, <laughs> sort of one paced episode. I don't know. Mm. No, I, I do. I it never do quite reaches those heights, does it? Yeah, that's what we were saying a little while ago. It's, uh, it has those moments throughout the story, like when he's driving up the side of the shard on the motorbike. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And when the TARDIS lands by um, down oh, by that's South nice. Bank, is it South Bank down that area? South Bank, yeah. Looks like that's kind of cool. And you got the people outside. When I was looking at some of the promo pictures and stuff, when I was working up the assets for this, there's some really cool photos actually of of um, Matt and uh, and Jenna down by the South Bank and yeah, talking to fans and stuff. And then the actual people who were there in the in the show itself filming, like you know all taking pictures with their phones and he's got his fez and he pretends he's, you know, some sort of street performer. That's already cool. That bit. It's, it feels very Matt's era. Mm-hmm. It feels all very cool. And the TARDIS looks great and stuff. And it's a nice location scene. Yeah. I like the location yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that's all kind of cool. And when he drives out of the, you know, the bit where he goes back into the TARDIS and he goes down the corridor and we think, Oh, we're going to yeah. see a bit more of the TARDIS, but we don't, but you know, it's kind of cool. He's like, no, but it's this way. And you think, what's he up to? And then he just drives out, on the bike and and all that stuff. So moments like that are very, very cool. Mm. Really cool. And, that, and the, the opening is really cool as well, isn't it? When he's back in, 
whatever time with the monks and stuff and yeah yeah i like all that stuff that was fun yeah that it's was got really the painting cool. and yeah yeah and because uh, you think at the beginning that it is some kind of big uh monastery bell ringing somewhere or a church bell because the monks look really distressed don't they like mm. like the bells are ringing and it turns out it's like a play on words it's the it's the phone in the TARDIS ringing, which is very cool because... St. John's Ambulance, yeah. Which they wouldn't yeah. be able to do now because they, they don't have the St. John's Ambulance sticker anymore. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they've referenced that much, have they, in the shows? I can't remember anyway, where they've... No. The Doctor or, or any kind of story plot points have centred around or meant, or even or even referenced the the St. John's the St. John's logo or the you know the phone ringing, that sort of stuff. No, that's a good point, so yeah. That's kind of weird. Yeah, it's weird they haven't done that before, but... So I really like the setup to the story and Matt looks great in his monk's outfit, robes and his hair's all messy and mm. that whole setup is very cool when Clara's ringing him and he's confused and uh, and those little big series arcs that Moff loves so much, which, you yes. know, kind of, yeah, a bit irky. For, I saw the know. big leaf coming out. Oh God, I've forgotten about the leaf. The leaf, yeah, that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, the open the setup to story is really cool. I love Matt as the as the monk. And what did you think to his new costume, by the way? Because he does he picks up his old jacket. You know, he's in the TARDIS and he's throwing all his yeah. stuff around. Picks up his old jacket and he just drops it instantly. It's like, yep, it's it's kind of saying visually, isn't it? It's like, uh, like my era up to now. Like, see you later. Now it's like new and shiny stuff. Like new mm. costume, new companion, slightly new theme, and all that. What do you think to his new? costume compared to his old one i i, I prefer the old one I, I like the tweed and bow tie i think it suits matt well but but i but I, I do like the new one as well just not as much and um i i i like that idea though it's a very sort of subtle like you've just said new companion new second half of the series new costume i just think it you know it's quite nice to just have a change so even though i prefer the tweed um i just think yeah it's nice to see the doctor something else i mean with jody's doctor we've seen oh hardly any variation at all have we i think she wore a jumper once in one of the episodes we've seen very little um change in her costume at all um and i just think it, it's nice you know just to have the odd change uh, it can be quite subtle i think uh, it doesn't have to be anything big but yeah i think it's cool i, I think it suits him and i, I love he gets that old wooden box out and it's got the bow tie in it as, as again it's such a map moment and I, I think that's a really nice little scene so yeah i think he i think it's a good good outfit for him it suits him i like it yeah yes agreed it, it is a it's i do like the color of the new coat and stuff it's got mm. a cool yeah it's got a cool color to it i do like it but there's something also cool about his previous costume where it uh, for me the it feels like that was more that lent more into the whole raggedy man yeah yeah point of i know view. what you mean Do you know what i mean yes. so yeah, his, totally. his boots were a little bit more scuffed up his trousers were a bit shorter mm. and uh it looks exactly like we saw in in the 11th hour where he's just cobbling together some clothes in in the hospital um uh locker room sort of thing so it feels yeah. a lot more cobbled whereas this feels a lot more refined like the trousers are a better fit, the shoes aren't as scuffed, you know, nicer fitting jacket, a little bit longer, a bit more, a bit more refined, I guess, for the doctor. But there's something cool about the old cobbled together look, 
I like. Yeah, this is smarter, isn't it? It's a smarter look for him. Um, and uh, it might sound crazy, but maybe that affects his performance a little because I do feel like Matt's slightly different uh, in this story. I think you said earlier it's a good performance but not quite up there with his usual spark. And um, I do think he's great in it, but there is a a different dynamic. Um, and the, the reason I say I know that sounds a bit crazy, but, you know, sometimes when you put on a nice... <laughs> So, like, when you put, you, if you think of yourself, when you put on something nice, you feel good, don't you? If you put mm. something on and it's a bit tight, but you think, oh, I can get away with it, you, the whole time you're not feeling yourself. So maybe the, it perfected, um, affected his performance slightly in the way he acted because he just feels different in that costume. And also I think the dynamic between him and Clara is very different to the, the Pons. You know, the Pons felt like the, you could just tell the actors all got on and, and it was a really sort of tight-knit sort of... Um, group if you like those three uh with clara it's just the two of them bouncing off each other there's, you know they've got to get to know each other this is really early days isn't it so there's a different dynamic there which i think affects matt's performance as well uh not that i think it's bad i think he's great in it but um yeah it's definitely different and there's a different feel to him is what i'm trying to say and i think that some of it does come down to the costume he feels like a slightly different doctor to who we met in you know series five uh not, not a bad thing you know it's, it's good to have a bit of progression and change but I totally got get what you're saying when you say it's not quite the same raggedy doctor that we've seen previously. Yeah. Indeedy. Yeah. Still not bad what? though. Still a good looking doctor. You know. Yeah. And the, you know, you said the intro is really good. I, I agree with that because we we've often said they talk about in a lot of stories, they'll talk about the whole earth being invaded, but we just get to see central London or Cardiff stroke central London. Don't we? And you, we often say it doesn't feel like, it's the whole world because they don't have the budget to show it. I thought this this episode kind of started quite grand. It's sort of showing Tokyo, I think it is, is it? Or somewhere. I don't know. It looks quite all these sort of internet uh, things going across the screen and it's yeah. showing different parts yeah. of the world. And it felt quite uh, blockbustery to begin with. I thought, wow, you know, the, obviously they haven't gone over there and shot this. They probably found some stock footage and, you know, used it. But it did feel quite sort of grand i thought at the start uh, like it was affecting the whole world and then like you said it's lovely when we cut to the monastery and it's does feel quite film like you know it's, it's really nicely shot and the locations look really good and production value is absolutely excellent so yeah it's a good it was a good beginning i thought it drew me in pretty quickly yeah yeah yes i think to be honest i like it all the way up to the i i just it's the scenes in the actual the you know, the great intelligence room, if you want the, you know, the room with all the screens and all that stuff with the actual villains It's those scenes that for me, I just find really flat and dull. Like, I think that's what I mean with the threat missing. Like those, every time we cut to the villain, it's just this thing of having, they're in a room with a load of TV screens. It's just not very exciting. <laughs> Even though I think Celia Rimmer is great as Miss Kislet. <laughs> You know, she doesn't yeah. really get a lot to do other than look at TV screens and computer screens. And it just gets a bit, it sort of slows it down a bit for me. No, I agree. Yeah, because the, again, going back to the opening of the story, the um, that guy who's telling you not to click on the Wi-Fi network mm. and, you know, yeah. look out for this symbol and it's going to trap you and stuff like that. Uh, that was, that kind of set it up to be relatively scary. It could have been... Not that we need it to be scary as such, but that, that did set it up to be like, oh crap, you know, this is not good sort of thing. But yeah, it did it's turn, good yeah. yeah, but it did turn out to be yeah, just a bit. Like you said, when we cut to the to the shard in the office where all that's happening, there's a little bit of banter between 
Miss Kislet and you know the other people that are working there. They've just been, mm-hmm. they've been um, their brains, their memories been wiped, everything, haven't they? And they're just working there on autopilot almost. And uh, so there's some bants there, and like the the guy who um, we were confused about earlier, Dan Lee, who plays the character of Alexi. We were like, who's that guy? He's like, oh yeah, he's the mm. the guy that is um. He's meant to be pretty good with the old computers, but Miss Kislet's like, oh, yeah, we'll kill him later and, you know, let him come back That's up right, his holiday. Yeah, let him have his holiday, yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. So there's a little bit of bants going on there, but mm. uh, ultimately it's um, really, and this is what I was saying earlier, is that the Doctor doesn't solve the problem here. Clara does, like right from the off. Like mm. you were saying earlier, it kind of turns into the Clara show where the Doctor, and this happens all the way through and even with Capaldi as well, where... You kind of think, right, okay, the the doctor would know how to find what's happening here. He would easily be able to do it. But it's almost like he's he's kind of stumped. And you don't really have that with the doctor. You know, it's he's the guy, or he's the person, should I say, with the plan. They are the person, sorry, with the plan sort of thing. They know what's going on. Whereas uh, the doctor in this one, he's like, hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to figure this out. And Clara's like, I can do it. And he's like, no, 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 I can do it. And she's like, no, let me do it. He's like, oh, go on then. So then she hacks in and she does all the stuff. And he comes back and there's that cool scene where Miss Kislet's controlling all the other people in the restaurant, in the cafe. Yeah, And then she's yeah. controlling the newsreader and talking directly to the doctor. That's quite cool. But then he comes out and she's like, oh, I solved it, by the way. It's here. That part of it for me is like, Argh! because as a one-off or every now and then it's okay, but we start to have that with every bloody episode now moving forward where you would expect the doctor to lead the way and the companion to be the companion, but it very much turns into Clara saving the day or doing, we didn't have that too much with going back at all. Like, you know, uh, Rose and Martha and Karen, you know, all those, you know, they are, they're they're following the doctor's lead even if they don't understand what's going on at the time like even we had that crazy stuff that was going on with the impossible astronaut oh yeah and all that stuff where it's like is he dead is he not what's going on nobody knows implicitly exactly whatever's happening we know you know the doctor's in control i can kind of forgive it in this one because you think okay it's clara's first story they want to make her the savior so you think that's fair you know fair enough but uh, yeah it does get a bit tiresome um i, th- I think uh, going forward especially when you get to the capaldi era i think it's possibly worse than that i think she almost takes over in the capaldi era from what i remember yeah so i, I do know what you mean but i i can sort of forgive it in this one just because it's supposed to be her introductory story but i love that scene though when matt's in the goes to get the coffee and uh you know that all the people start talking to him but, you know, they'd be like, oh, would you like two sugars in that? You're not going to win, by the way. Sorry, what? It's like, you know, I thought it was a really great scene um, when she's controlling all the different people. I didn't mm. get, although I loved it when when the doctor comes back and she's like, I sorted it out. He goes, you sorted it out. I know where they are. You know where they are. And I thought that was a great scene where he's obviously turned into one of the spoon heads. But how? Like, who is, the, I didn't get that. How did she get a, another doctor looking person? Who's the doctor looking person? I uh, did I miss something because I just I couldn't work out how they'd managed to get a doctor clone on the roof. He's a spoonhead, I get that, but who is he? Like where did he come from? 
So I think I didn't understand the, it. Yeah, so I think the the spoonhead doctor that you see in the shard. Yeah. At the top. I think that's bec- that's the doctor had reprogrammed or done something to the spoonhead that we saw in the cafe. Oh, I see. So that's on. how he then uses it to go up the shard. Because that was a nice yeah. twist. I love it when you think, when it turns out that the Doctor who's gone to the shard is actually the Spoonhead. Oh, right, that makes sense. Right, so he's changed one of the other Spoonheads into him. I think so. But then, what, yeah. but then why does he look surprised when he comes out and sees Clara on the table? Because he wouldn't have changed the thing into a Spoonhead for it then to knock Clara out. And, I don't know, a bit confused now. Mm. anyway it was <laughs> as i mean i suppose it's one of those things you kind of have to try not to think too much about maybe i don't know but um it was a nice scene anyway when he when he turns out to be a spoonhead what do you think of the spoonheads by the way do you think they could have been utilized a bit better because i think they've got the potential to be quite creepy but um this is what i mean about the sort of villain and the, the villain of the week if you like being a bit weak in this one mm. I felt like both Kislet and the Spoonheads could have been utilised uh, a bit better, really. I think so, yeah. I think it's... Um, they they were quite creepy, especially with their head spinning round. And the effect was done pretty mm. decent as well, especially it when Matt Smith... Bad, it yeah. 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 It does look pretty decent. Uh, and they, they did do it very creepy at the beginning when Clara hears somebody upstairs. Yeah. And that little girl comes down the stairs, you think. Oh, From the crikey. book cover, again, this yeah. is Moffat's imagination, isn't it? He's so good at, like, mm. throwing these ideas in. You know, he's got that, what's it called, that book? Summer Fools, I think, uh, by Amelia Williams. So that's, yeah. again, a lovely little tie-in. It's obviously Amelia Pond. And, you know, great little reference there. And, um, yeah, to bring the girl off of the front cover into the actual story uh, was very creepy. I, I really liked that idea. Yeah. yeah. Now, that was very cool. And... um yeah, it's weird that um, they didn't use them a little bit more in terms of... Because they were stationary, mostly, weren't they? Mm, it was only yeah. the Doctor's one that he sent up the shard and stuff that we didn't know about because he had the bike helmet on and everything like that. But all the other... I think what made them not quite as threatening as they could be is because they always stood still for the most part. So they were kind of just sort of information bots. Mm. They weren't really doing much. Um, but they were okay. The effect was very good. For, it's, for yeah. the time, yeah. And uh, what did you think to... We had a little mention of Unit, didn't they? Unit turn up at the end. Yeah, Unit kind of turn up at the end, yeah. It's not too bad. And then what did you think to to the client then? So Miss Kislet's client then, the Great Intelligence. So that's, uh, that's a thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the fact it's them. Um, it's just strange because obviously they turned out to be the sort of hidden villain in the snowmen the story before it didn't they so yeah it's a bit weird to bring them back <laughs> so soon um but does this lead into other things because i've i can't quite remember i know richard e grant turns up um is it at the end of this series he he, he definitely pops back up doesn't he, he does, i remember yeah. him is, is it in the death of the doctor or something like that um i've forgotten the titles now because there's so many of the doctors around this time day night death um is it the death of the doctor it's called anyway he pops back up so maybe there's more to it and it's like an ongoing theme i can't really remember it's series seven is not a series i go back to very often so i've kind of lost track of what all these little things are yeah he turns up in on the name of the doctor sorry the name of the doctor 
uh, great intelligence is oh, waiting name. for him. Yeah, yes. So maybe yeah. it comes full circle. Yeah. So again, that makes it feel a bit filler because it's just thrown in there as a bit of a, oh, these guys are back, but not, you know, it's just a little nod to them and might see them again later because they don't really get defeated. So, yeah. Well, we yeah. saw them in the special, didn't we? So in the snowman. snowman. Yeah. Yeah. And then in this one, you would have thought that um, they would have kicked off a little bit more because we've already seen them, you know. So in the in the snowman, we've already seen the great intelligence and Richard E. Grant's character and stuff. So we already know about them. We already know what they're that they're back and everything. But I can't remember if they play a big part in uh, the name of the Doctor. Gosh, I haven't watched that for so long. I can't. I can't honestly remember anything about name of the doctor can you apart from the fact that clara jumps in the doctor's timeline or something that's literally the only thing i can remember about the episode that's it yeah doesn't it um isn't it back on isn't it in trenzalore yeah i think on, so yeah. they go back to trenzalore and then, yeah that's the whole uh, thing where clara then manipulates all of those important events throughout the doctor's time stream do you remember that's where right. the first doctor's like running away and she's like you know what it the tardis yeah all that stuff yeah so but i can't remember the great intelligence's part exact in it, no. involvement in that though i can't remember that i haven't seen it in in uh in ages so if we reviewed it i'm just having a look because I, I honestly so I, I have a feeling i've only watched it um when it aired i'm just I'm gonna have a quick look uh, the name of the doctor we have not reviewed yet have we not reviewed it no, no, we haven't actually. So actually, so the Bells of St. John and the Name of the Doctor are the two, uh, well, up until now, that we've not reviewed from Series 7. And uh, God, when you look at Series 7, mate, this was the this was the series that was all promoted to be like blockbuster when it had the big blockbuster film-like posters for every episode. Do you remember? It was That's quite right. an epic yeah. thing at the time. And some of these episodes, I'm just looking at the list of them now. There are ones like, Asylum of the Daleks, for example, which I quite enjoyed when it first went out, but now I rewatch it, I find really hard going. Some of them have not, do not sort of bear up to a, a rewatch. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Town Called Mercy is one that I thought wasn't that good, but then I enjoyed it more in the rewatch. Then you've got um, Angels Take Manhattan. That's, that was that's not, not bad. That great, no. Yeah, I remember you weren't too keen on that one. I don't mind that one. Um, Rings of Akaten, oh, good grief. <laughs> Hyde, I remember quite liking. Journey to the Center of Tardis was such a crushing disappointment. Crimson Horror is probably one of the better ones. Um, the next one's Nightmare a banger. Nightmare in Silver. Oh, my. <laughs> Nightmare in Silver, yeah. Series 7, really, it's such a mixed bag. And it's not, I would say it's more duds than than good. I'm looking at it, think, looking at the list of uh, stories, and there's only really a couple uh, hardly any, actually. <laughs> there's, there's not, there's not a lot there that I would no, I say agree. is good. I agree. Yeah. yeah, but then again, I look at it and I think a bit like this episode. There's, there's not anything there I wouldn't watch. There's nothing there that I think, God, oh, that is so bad. I could maybe Journey to the Center of Tardis. I probably could live without seeing that again. But, um, but stuff like Ta- uh, Town Called Mercy, Power Three, <sighs> Dinosaurs on a Spaceship at a Push um cold war you know they are stories that i would yeah quite happily sit and watch they're not great but they're not they're not bad in the sense that i never would reach for them to watch them again they've still got that something and maybe that something is matt smith i don't know but yeah they're not they're not unwatchable but it's it's not a great series is it series seven it's a funny old one isn't it it's It's um, a funny series it's an odd series yeah 
yeah. even split in two. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Even, yeah, even split across the two. Yeah, it's a funny old one. Mm. Just, yeah, pit and miss throughout. But, um, yeah, so we still, for the benefit of um, of the listener, we still need to review the name of the Doctor, the day of the Doctor, and the time of the Doctor. Do you know, I'm quite looking forward <laughs> to reviewing the name of the Doctor now, but just because I can't remember it at mm. all. Um, that will be an interesting one when we get round to it. It's not Indeed. on the schedule, but uh, not yet. <laughs> one day we'll get round to it. Yeah. So that'll be next year for sure, because... Uh, our schedule's filled up. Actually, we were due to review oh, no, the it's snowman. On there. It's on. Oh no, it's not. Uh, that's the next. Uh, that was one of the specials. Yeah, David Tennant specials. I think. Oh right. Yeah, yeah. but um, we were oh. due to review the snowman. Uh, third week of December for Christmas. We were, tr- you know, because it's one of the Christmas specials. So we yeah. were due to do that, and um, but that's going to be bumped now. I think because we've got everything lined up for the rest of the year, but. Now we know that series thirteen is definitely dropping at some point. All of that stuff's probably going to be shifted to next year. That would go stuff, out the window. I thought we'd reviewed the Snowman quite recently. It's another one though. I thought we'd just already done. Nah. Let us know, listeners. <laughs> no, sure we definitely we haven't done that one. No? no. Okay. Yeah. So um. Anyway, yeah. Those name of time of and everything that will be next year for sure. All gets confusing, doesn't it? As we yeah. wrap up, um, Matt Smith stuff because I think we've only got um. We've literally done everything. The only ones we've got left of Matt Smith's era is the one we're doing today, Bell St. John, and then the snowmen, and then name, day, and time of the Doctor. So we've only got... Is that it? Yeah, and then we're done with Matt Smith's Doctor, yeah. Blimey. That's a shame, because I love his Doctor. And, th- and this series is a perfect example of, you know, not great stories, but I still would watch him because I just love Matt. He just he does, he does bring up any story I think he's in. Pretty much. Uh, I don't think he could save Nightmare and Silver. I think that's probably one that uh, he couldn't save. But uh, generally, he's, uh, he does manage to save any slightly weak episode, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah, I agree. So are we are we missing the ponds at this point? I mean, what do you, how do you feel about Clara? Because I, I must admit, the more we've rewatched the Matt Smith era, the more I've really grown to love the ponds, and um, especially when they're together. I mean, Amy could be written to be a bit, OTT and annoying at times. Uh, but I think when they're together, the three of them, Rory, Amy and the Doctor, they were a great team. And um, and I like the fact that the Doctor's uh, sort of gone into retreat a bit because he's lost them. You know, he's gone to find solitude in this monastery and find his thoughts. And in the snowmen, he was very, you know, uh, contemplative. Mm-hmm. So I think that's nice. He's getting over the ponds. But are we missing them? Uh, what, what do we think of Clara, this new companion? Because obviously we know she goes on to be dominate the whole show pretty much. But what do we think of her at this point as an introduction? I think at this point she's kind of cool. Mm. At this point, if we if I rewind time and think when this was going out and watching it, thinking actually yeah, she's kind of cool. You know, she's not too bad. Uh, but it's only with hindsight that that sort of tarnishes that stuff because uh, and. Conversely, we know that there are loads of Clara fans out there, loads of people that really like Clara. Mm, oh yeah, you know, which which is cool. You know, she's not a, she's not a terrible companion, and it goes back to so much stuff that we've said about certain characters over the years and and scenarios where it's not the it's not the character themselves that's been the problem so much. It's really the way that they've been involved in the stories, whether they've either been left out or they've dominated. There's not been that. Like if we think to Graham and Ryan over the past couple of years, they've either 
um, dominated the story. So would they Chibbers drop little nuggets with Jodie's doctor, like uh, what's she hiding from from the fam? Mm-hmm. But then that doesn't really go anywhere, and so the story then always comes back to the relationship between Graham and Ryan, and that sort of takes over from what the doctor. And then even then we had that huge build up and that big thing around the timeless child that just sort of fell flat immediately afterwards, even though that was probably the most epic and groundbreaking show cannon breaking thing <laughs> that we've ever it, had in the show. It was a bit like he threw a grenade and then just ran away. Yeah. He threw a grenade and instead of exploding, it just went like, <laughs> and then that was it. And so, uh, and then, so it went back to the companions and their story. And then it goes from that to them just looking bored and doing nothing. And that kind of, that's kind of what happened with Clara. She kind of defaulted to being the dominant figure within the program mm. and leading the way. Or it was like, was Clara in this one? I can't remember. There's, there was no, pretty much from this point, from this point onwards, series seven onwards, uh, it does, it, it did set that precedent for not finding a decent middle ground for the companion Jeez. or the companions. Yeah, she's very her character is so all over the place. I think even in this, it doesn't feel like the Moffat's got a, a sort of. Isn't she's not fully formed as a character um, in this? I mean, you can forgive it because it's you know the first sort of episode with her in, but uh, is but you know already the Moffat's come up with these other ideas like Souffle Girl and the Victorian one. But when he gets to actually introducing what's going to be the full time companion she doesn't feel like a fully rounded character. She's doing this weird babysitting job due to some guilt factor of, I, I forget what it was now. She, she's doing it because she feels guilty about something. Um, the kids talk to her like crap, <laughs> you know, she, and she, and she just accepts it. You know, she, she lets them talk down to her. Um, but then in other scenes, she's really strong and will be like shutting the door in Matt's face and telling her to go away. So she's happy to stand up to him. Um, she doesn't know how to, connect to the wife it just her character just seems a bit strange in this first episode and then she goes from not being able to connect the wi-fi to solving the whole mystery of where they are but of course i know that's because she's been downloaded so she's got all this new technology in her brain i get that but i don't know but this is a this is the thing with clara's character is she just changes in every story to suit the story from what i remember anyway she's just a very uneven character um, by the time we get to Capaldi, I think she's kind of uh, found a level ground, but she becomes too domineering. So, she, but in the Capaldi era, she's become she wants to be the Doctor, if I remember right. Yes, that's the, that's yeah. the route they go down. That she is so impressed with how the Doctor deals with things, she wants to become that, which in a way works because Clara's character is quite cocky. <laughs> so I can totally see it going down that route. That kind of makes sense to me. But but yeah, in this first episode, um, I don't know, she just seemed to be written to be a little bit like they weren't quite sure where they were going to go with the character. Um, and it, yeah, she hasn't got a job. She's doing this babysitting thing. It's all a bit strange. She doesn't feel fully formed as a character to me. Well, that's, um, I think that's kind of what the doctor's trying to figure out as well, though. Yeah, I guess he? so. Yeah, yeah. Because he's... Uh, he he knows that she's somebody that's not. Uh, what's the word? She as a character, she's not supposed to be where she is. If that makes sense. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great know. scene when he turns up at the door, isn't it? Yeah, and he's 
just can't believe it's <laughs> yeah and it's yeah it's kind of weird so mm. and then but he's he asks her that very same question that we're asking it's like why are you and why are you a nanny mm. why are you doing this sort of thing and she kind of answers she's like oh i was going to travel but that didn't work out so blah 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 so the the doctor's also confused so that in in terms of writing that's not too bad because we're sharing the same confusion as the doctor mm. you know as that yeah. character so mm. we're kind of along on the journey as well it's like well that is a good point exactly why is she doing this and why is she here and stuff and it kind of gets explained doesn't it like we were saying right at the end of the series with the name of the doctor and we find out you know why she's here and what she's doing and all the rest of it but at this moment in time yeah it's a little bit weird and i kind of agree with what you're saying as well we do have this thing where love them or hate them previous companions like rose and amy and stuff like that they were written consistently throughout all of rtd's era and the beginning of moff's era if rose was being all gushy over the doctor in the first series then they didn't just turn it off like a light switch in the next one Mm. you know it was still a consistent thing and you know amy sort of picking up rory and then dropping him again like a hot potato and you know that kind of evens out towards the end as their relationship matures and they solidify that towards the end but Clara is a little bit consistent, but that's no no different to Capaldi's Doctor, right? So for his yeah, first yeah. series, it was like, have they written him as like a sort of heartless, grumpy old Doctor? Mm, I feel I like liked. they have. Yeah, it, yeah, it's like I feel like they have. These last two episodes have been like that, and then the next one, he's more jokey, clowny. Like it's oh, okay, crisis Doctor in the next one. Yeah, so okay, so they've they want to inject a bit of Trout and a Matt Smith into his Doctor. Okay, that's cool. And in the next episode, it's like. Well, he's very human in this one. He's almost pertwish, isn't he? He's, he's sort of earthbound. Yeah, been exactly. Doing the lecturing and yeah, yep. and then the next, did the best, I think. Yeah, and then because it kind of feels like I know we're going off a bit of a tangent with this, but it feels like the mm. same thing kind of happened with Clara that they, they did with Capaldi that Moff did with Capaldi, where it's almost like they had a ton of feedback and they're like, okay, he's not connecting with younger viewers, and then they make a change to the script. I know they couldn't do that on the fly like that because they would have filmed everything. But like as they're, as they've got like sort of guest screenings and test screenings for stuff like that, when they're doing um, partway through sort of post-production, they're like, okay, the doctor's not connecting with a younger audience. So then a bit further down the line, he's all sort of young and hip looking, playing the guitar with the shades on, you know, yeah. and everything sort of, you know, yeah, yeah, this is for the younger audience. And then, more feedbacks like yeah that's ridiculous and then a bit further down the line he's back to sort of old grumpy Hartnell it's almost like the same thing with with Clara it's like she's young and hip and she connects with like the younger female audience you know that's all great but then oh no she's we don't want her to just be viewed as a companion she needs to be a strong female character oh no okay then we'll we'll make her take over a little bit so now she can save the day and she can be the focus and then it's like, yeah, but Matt Smith's getting forgotten. All right, we'll do a silly filler one then, where she's just sort of running after the Doctor, sort of one-liners, cracking jokes, like Clyde Langer style. Oh, cool, mm. cool. And then some more feedback. Do you know where I'm going with this? It's like yeah, more yeah. feedback. Oh, now, now you've just turned her into just a silly girl running after the Doctor, you know, as we expected you would do. Oh, no, no, don't worry. She's going to save the day again. In fact, she's going to save all of the Doctors all at once. So don't worry about it sort of thing. <laughs> so a bit of a rant there, a bit of a tangent, but... It definitely feels like from this point onwards, like you said, they kind of moulded her as they went. It wasn't a consistent, this is what Clara would do, 
regardless of situation. This is what she would say and how she would react regardless. Let's tweak her so that she can fit within the story rather than the story fits how she would be as a character. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say, I mean, Jenna as well, her performance, um, it's, it's, it's decent considering, you know, she sort of has to sort of, even in this one episode, she has to kind of change a little bit throughout. And, uh, I think she's quite good in it for a first episode. She's seen, cause that's the thing, you know, she's got to find a bit of a connection with Matt. And I think, uh, they already, the chemistry's kind of there. I think that there's some good moments between the two of them. Um, they, they seem to bounce off each other. Okay. Um, uh, there's just a bit at the end, I think, where I thought, you know, Jenna, she is quite confident in her performance, uh, even when I don't like it. And, and what I mean by that is there's a bit where she comes into the TARDIS at the end and uh, she's very assured in her performance. And she, you know, and I think that's one thing I will say for Jenna. She just looks like very, she's very comfortable. She's, she strides into the TARDIS and it's the scene where she says to the doctor, come back tomorrow. And I might say yes. And, you know, I mean, she her performance, I have to say, although Jenna Clara is not my favourite person on the planet, I have to say, you know, she does give a good performance, um, even in these early days. Um, she's quite assured. Mm. She seems to get, she seems to do the sort of strong, cocky side of Clara quite well. Uh, you know, I have to say. Yeah. And I, I love yeah. that. I do like that scene because I love it. Matt's like, yeah, well, of course I can come back tomorrow. It's a time machine. <laughs> you know, you know again, it, the Moffat's dialogue, um, although it can be hit and miss, he does, he does throw in some great lines some good humour. He is good at that. Some of them do land for Matt, especially. Oh, yeah. oh definitely. Cool. Yeah. 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 Um, and just lastly, we did have a couple of little changes and tweaks as they brought back the series then. So the, um, they they changed the logo in the opening theme. It used to be this. Um, hmm. uh, uh, it's got like a kind of metallic weathered sort of texture to it now. It used to be previous to that. They used to. Um, uh, it changed from episode to episode. Do you remember? Yeah, that's what yeah. I was thinking. Yeah, but yeah. now it's just this. Um, this one kind of metallic sort of roughed up kind of look. And then the theme tune, as I said earlier, was a little bit different as well. So they got rid of in the previous theme tune up to this point. They had these little um, kind of electrical static hissing noises, That's static right, kind yeah. of uh, noises. They got rid of those, and um, yeah, we just had a bit more of a a bit more of a focus on the bassy side of the of the theme from the previous one. It surprises me how much Moffat does tweak in such a short space of time. Um, it's like maybe it's that sort of um, perfectionist type thing, you know, and he, he clearly does listen to feedback because, you know, I think there were, there have been lines injected into some episodes that are directly speaking to the fans that, you know, they're not subtle at all. And I don't mind that, you know, mm. um, I think he even put a line in twice upon a time about the doctor's shade, didn't he? I can't remember what it was, but you know, it's clearly saying to the fans that hate him, you know, this is you speaking. Yeah. Uh, so the Moffat clearly listened to feedback and he almost seems quite restless. So like you said, even in the same series, he's changing things and altering the odd little bit that probably nobody, nine out of 10 people wouldn't notice. I didn't notice that the little crackles were missing from the intro, but now you mention it. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, And it's probably good that they're missing because I I don't think they added anything. (laughs) But um, yeah, he's always tweaking little bits here and there, isn't he? And I'm not saying it as a negative. I just think it's... um, like with Chibnall, he will stick to his guns. He's, you know, if that's the intro, 
I'm, that's he's going to keep that whether people like it or not. That is the intro. And uh, I'm not saying one's right or wrong. I just think it's a very interesting, the difference in, you know, like how much did the theme tune change during Moffat's era? It changed all the time. You think about Series 5 intro and then this strange bassy intro and then the horrific Peter Capaldi <laughs> music intro. Oh yeah. You know, it cha- that so much changed um, in such a short space of time. Uh, during the Moffat era. Mm. Um, so he wasn't, yeah, I don't know, we couldn't really call him consistent, but but I also like the fact he was willing to just try things and, and mix things up, I think. Yeah, he definitely tried stuff. I mean, the other the other thing is they added these slats, these little gratings in the floor of the TARDIS as well, so mm. that the light shines up a little bit more from the floor and stuff like that. But uh, you're right, though, on, on at least trying stuff, because um, in this episode, it's the one and only time in in matt's era where he uses the control panels on the outer ring of the TARDIS i noticed set. that yeah yeah he sort of there's a scene isn't he where he's zipping around and he's using the control panels that are on the outside ring of it yeah that's the only time he ever does it in his old should his have done that era. more i yeah. liked that but it's like a little trial and everything wasn't it? it's like we'll do that see how it feels and probably nobody said it like they probably thought oh if fans say that's cool well then we'll do it but i think it just went by and nobody Nobody mentioned anything because nobody ever, we've never spoken about it. I know. It's weird weird. that you say that because I'd never noticed it until I rewatched this yesterday. It's a really weird thing to pick up on. But I remember thinking, oh, he touched the controls on the outside and I don't remember him doing that before. (laughs) Weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's funny the things you notice. But I I, I just like the fact that the Moffat's just sat there tweaking things as he goes along. But it, it, it sometimes helps, it sometimes doesn't. And I think with Clara, he's sort of, constantly tweaking her isn't he throughout her whole time on the show he's like trying different things and changing her character a bit i don't know maybe he couldn't just couldn't help himself just constantly trying to do stuff but yeah i don't know mm. <laughs> strange times the old mothball the old moth bag yeah okay i've got no other notes by the way dude have you got anything uh, no just the fact that um i i loved there was a reference to the earl's court tardis uh, thrown in again it's just Moffat just being brilliant I mean I, if people don't there's probably a lot of people out there wouldn't have even picked up on it or know knew what he was talking about but there's a there's a line where they say oh make sure we've actually got the TARDIS this time because that Earl's Court thing was a bit embarrassing it's just a reference to the fact that there's a real police box outside Earl's Court station which a lot of Doctor Who fans go and have a picture with and I just thought it was a lovely little you know reference that Moffat threw in there for those that know about it um so stuff like that and and i thought murray's music was cool uh i quite like the theme i i I, I don't know the bassy theme i quite like it i certainly like it a hell of a lot more than the screechy capaldi theme tune that we get later Um, and you you do see matt's face in the intro really briefly as Mm -hmm. well which is a nice throwback to us but yeah murray's music pretty cool pretty good pretty you know still still doing his thing nothing amazing but it, it's uh, still some nice music in there. Clara's theme, for example, was really nice. I think that, again, Murray coming up with some nice themes for the companion, which are new. So yeah, some good, good stuff going on from Murray as usual. Yeah. I agree, dude. Yeah. Nothing that stuck on my head. That, yeah, nothing <laughs> jumping out, but new theme and so on. Not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad at all. Yeah. Right. Scores then, bud. I think it's me to go first. It's you this time. Yes. Yes. I'm going to give this a, 6.5. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> I'll give it a 6.5 because uh, just to sum, yeah, just to go right back to the beginning of when we started the review, really, it's not 
great and amazing. And at the same time, it's not bad. It's not terrible. It's just that I can't give it a five. It's not that middle of the road, but no. yeah, but it's certainly not, um, not up there with some of the best of Matt stuff. I gasped because I've, I've written 6.5, but I'm actually going to slightly up it to a seven. And I'll tell you for why. It's because 6.5, I normally give that to an episode which I think is pretty poor. And uh, this isn't bad. I would as happily watch it. Um, so I will give it a 7. But it's only just great. It's like like the episode itself. It's only just clinging on to that 7. Because I, I had written 6.5. I just feel that's a little bit low. It's not that bad. So I'll give it a 7. Okay. Yeah, that's fair enough, dude. Yeah, yeah. Cool, I can just see right. Matt hanging from the seven like the Doctor of the Tardis. It's just, <laughs> it's just clinging on to that seven for me, but only just. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a 6.5 for me then, a seven for me. And what did our listeners think? Our usual audio reviewers have uh, have delivered, as always, which is great. So let's kick off with Sammy Satine. Hey, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So the bells of St. John. I really do admire Stephen Moffat's ability to make the ordinary scary or and scary but despite this being a good idea in principle even Stephen Moffat can't make Wi-Fi scary this is all right it goes along nicely I wasn't bored like Gary was last week honestly I like Celia Emery she's appeared in quite a lot of things over the years nice to see the great intelligence back it's watchable. I give it seven Wi-Fi stations out of ten. See ya. A seven. Seven, same as me. I like Celia in real, however you say her name as well. I've seen her in loads of things over the years, like Victoria Wood and stuff, and she's one of these actors that's got that little twinkle in her eye, and I, yeah, <laughs> I like her as well. Yeah, she was good in Dinner Ladies, that Victoria Wood. Dinner series. Ladies, yes, yeah. that's it, yeah. Yeah, so Sammy says it's watchable with a seven. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you very much, Sammy. Moving on, this is Neil Campbell. What about you fellas? How's it going? So, The Bells of St. John. Do you know what? It's not a classic, but I think it's dead on. I like it. It's fun. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think if you're in a dark room, Matt Smith can light that room up with his performances because I think he is just fantastic as the Doctor. And some of the comedic scenes, especially in this story, are top drawer. You know, the, the scene at the, the door where he says, Clara, to ask again, Doctor Who. And then also when he's speaking about being the anti-grav Olympics. And also when he does, you know, the scene where he changes his clothes and stuff. Um, I love all that. Like, I just think he's he's on top, top form. Regards to the actual story itself, again, it's a pretty basic plot, like to be honest, but I think it works. Um, it's a solid mid-series opener. I like Clara in it as well. I think the CGI of the plane lets it down slightly, but I like it that the great the great intelligence is getting a lot of exposure in this series because you know it's usually the Daleks or the Cybermen or even the Master, and it's nice that it's another classic monster. So yeah, I like it. Um, all in, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Cheers. Another 7. Another 7. And what a great way of describing Matt. A, a light in the dark room. That's absolutely bang on. Yeah, that is perfect for Matt. Yeah, you're absolutely right there, Neil. Yes. And the Doctor Who scene is brilliant, isn't it? Go on, say it again. Doctor Who. Oh, I love it. I mean, just oh, <laughs> just thinking about that scene is great. Yeah, that's what you were saying about Moff. You know, some of those lines are just 
perfect and Matt yeah. does them brilliantly. Yeah. He really gets who off mm. it at times. Yeah. At times, yeah. Thank you very much, Neil. Another seven. Uh, a good friend of ours, Mr. Adam Moon. Oh. Howdy, how do you do, big blue boxers? Hope you guys are well and enjoying the show. So here you guys are reviewing the Bells of St. John. I thought, I'll jump on the mic and have a chat about it, sure. So the real star of the show is the director, Colin McCarthy. He does an amazing shot with the Doxy Clara enter the TARDIS. It's a massive 360 round the console room, one take uh, as Clara is reacting to it, the TARDIS being bigger on the inside. And then they land and they're on the plane. It's incredible. Love it so much. Uh, direction. And the London, London just looks great. Really, really good. And Celia Emery, cool villain, cast are good. The story's fine, you know. I think, you know, six out of ten. But the villain, uh, the villains, Spoonheads, the Seventh Doctor's favourite musical instrument as a villain. Who knew? Who knew, eh? But yeah, that's my two cents. Take care, guys, and enjoy the show. <laughs> Cheers. I'd imagine the Seventh Doctor coming up against the Spoonheads. That would be fantastic. A spoon off. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? God, yeah. I, don't, I can't believe I never thought of that before. Yeah, uh, you make a good point, Adam, as well, about uh, Carl McCarthy. Mm. There are some really nice shots in this, really nice. And the one that you mentioned where Clara's running in through the TARDIS, you, you can notice the cut, though, very quickly. It's when he swings her around and she moves very quickly in front of the camera. That's a very, very well done, but you can just about notice it. But the rest of it is all that one take and stuff and... Yeah, some really cool stuff. So I agree with you, Adam. It's, um, yes, very well directed. We didn't pick up much on the direction, but yeah, it's very well done. Thank you very much, Adam. Yeah, it's quite swish, quite stylish, yeah. Yes. Moving on, this is Mr. Joe Turner. The Bells of St. John is a decent opener to part two of series seven. Whilst not amazing, I love the location of London. It provides us with high stakes and my favourite scene, which is when Matt rides the motorcycle through London and up the Shard. The idea of being trapped in the Wi-Fi is an interesting one, and a clear attempt by the writer to demonstrate how our society is consumed within our technology. On first broadcast, this one did confuse me, and parts still do to this day, especially the fact that this episode gives us a lot of questions, but very few answers. It's great to see Matt in his new costume, which is one of my favourite worn by any doctor. It's nice seeing Unit at the end, and the reveal that the great intelligence is the one behind it all is brilliant. However, at times, I feel as though Matt is a little off in his his performance. I feel he's way too silly, and just generally a bit over the top. It's not something I say often as Matt is my favourite Doctor, but something in his performance just didn't click for me in this episode. Also, Jen's performance as Clara is on the whole very good. She's confident and assured, but vulnerable at the same time, unlike in series 8 and 9, where Clara is just patronising. A decent episode that won't win any awards. I'm going to give Bells of St. John a 7 out of 10. Thank you. Oh, and uh, sorry about those pesky crows. <laughs> Do you know what? I thought I was listening to uh, the opening of a uh, Wurzel Gummidge episode. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought it was in 10 Acre Field. 10 there. Acre Field. <laughs> Live from 10 Acre Field. Yeah. <laughs> they okay. sounded like they were going mad, those crows. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Joe says, uh, not a classic not a classic. Not going to win any awards. Not going to win any awards, yeah. Um, <laughs> Stephen at home. Stephen Moffat at home with the old wine. There's no awards coming, Stephen. Oh, pop another bottle. Yeah. It's just a, a myriad of, of wine bottle corks all over the floor. <laughs> Door shut. No, award, no awards, just empty bottles. Yeah. Wife comes in. Come on, Stephen. This has got to stop. <laughs> ah, beep off. <laughs> 
Thank you very much, Joe. So I think Joe kind of liked that one mostly, but felt that yeah. Matt's uh, performance wasn't on par as, as he normally expected it to be, which is fair enough. Uh, and lastly, this is TARDISNet66. So the Battle of St. John isn't that great. The concept of people being downloaded into the Wi-Fi and hacking the emotions of others through technology is interesting to see, and I think Miss Kislet, as strong as a villain, if underutilised, but it never feels like it's utilised to its full potential, or like the concept it's given has much threat or scare factor. I think Matt Smith is strong in this episode and manages to elevate it, and I love his scene of him changing clothes and leaving the giant dodgers out for Clara, but this is when his character starts going down the creep direction, creepily looking through her things, which you just don't do. But the failure of the story is it's focused on the over-importance and over-obsession around the mystery of Clara. I really grew to like Clara as a character in series 8 and 9 with Capaldi's Doctor, but in series 7, I really hate her. She's bland and has no characteristics, aside from the fact that she fancies the Doctor and constantly annoyingly flirts with him, which becomes uncomfortable and grating. And as an introduction to this version of the character, you really don't get a strong idea of who she is. I'd give it a 5 out of 10. Oof. 5, oof. I just love TN's honesty, like right out the traps. Like, this is not a great one, is it? I guess I imagine the Moffat <laughs> home listening to the podcast. Oh, well, never mind. Let's let's hear the next review. <laughs> and it starts with, well, it's not great, is it? Oh. <laughs> yeah, TN not feeling this one with a five, eh? I like that Jamie Dodger scene there. That was a, that's a lovely moment. Yeah, that's great. Another yeah. lovely moment. <laughs> yeah. I think, I guess that's the summary for the episode, mate. It's got, mate, it's got a series of, Lovely moments. It's got a series of cool moments, but they just, just don't come together. Yeah, hmm. that was the audio review. Is anyway. Thank you guys so much as always for all that. Very much appreciated. Over on the tweets, let's rattle through some of these. So Jordan Shortman, our writer, says not particularly, not a particular favourite of mine. As I don't like series seven. It's a shame we got this Clara as the Victorian version of her, which was much better as hmm. a choice of companion. Uh, and Jenna Coleman's performance is snooty from the beginning. Yeah. But the great intelligence is pretty cool. Uh, Doctor Who Holmes says it's a fine story. I think Moffat uh, himself described this as just plain average. Uh, it's not bad by any means, but it will never stand out. It doesn't introduce main Clara very well. Uh, I don't think Moffat was bothered again. <laughs> uh, I think the plot would have been better with The Wire instead. Yeah, it could have worked. Could have yeah. Yeah. You can see that, yeah. Morgan, Morgan McCandless. Uh, it's a good introduction to the second half of Series 7, even if it's not the best. I've always found this a fun watch. It's good to see Eleven back in action after losing the Ponds. Uh, Celia Emery was great, uh, is a great villain, uh, villain, and I adore Matt's new look. Mm. Seven quadricycles out of ten. <laughs> nice. Cheers, Morgs. Cheers, Morgs. Uh, Chippy T, if any Doctor couldn't do a uh, monastic retreat, it's Matt. Uh, he's just too busy with ideas, twisting hands, twirling around. A good idea of people being hacked and randomly speaking in unusual ways, but not always does it pay off. Uh, sure, Pertwee mentions anti-grav stuff. Enjoyable. 7.5. Thank you. Mm, 7.5. Tin and Sonic. Fun, silly, and very Doctor Who. All the things I look for in a series opener. Matt's new costume is just amazing, and my favourite look for uh, 11 2. 7.5. Mm, cool. Okay, yeah. Like the look. Uh, Sam says, this one is fun. Some of the visuals look ridiculous in parts, but overall it's really enjoyable uh, with some great tracks from Murray. 7 out of 10. Cool, number 7. Yep, Sarah. Sarah Louise, a running Whovian, says, Matt is an absolute pleasure to watch in this and Jenna compliments him well. The spoonheads are suitably creepy and the story provides a good lesson 
referencing our increasing reliance on internet connections and the info we divulge on socials. Yep, mm. very good point, Sarah. Also, love the long scarf in the hall. Eight out of ten. Oh, what was that? I must the have long missed scarf that. in the hall. Long scarf in the hall. Was Baker's scarf hanging up or something? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Oh, I didn't, I didn't notice. Time, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. And lastly, Brian Chapman says the Bell St. John, along with the two previous Oswin slash Clara stories, serves a good introduction to the Impossible Girl story arc. Clara's TARDIS entry scene with the airplane rescue is one of my all-time favourite moments. Eight snog boxes out of ten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> snog boxes. And uh, over on Facebook, some of these, like I always say, they are quite long, so I'm not going to read through all of them. So if you guys want to see and comment on these other reviews, then just head over to the Facebook page. But Aaron Ball says, A fun story. Very average, but Matt is on top form. Jenna is fun, and the Wi-Fi being the monster is a very modern idea. The kids were annoying, to be honest. Typical in Moffat's era, but underrated. 7.5 Wi-Fi route is out of 10. Um, <laughs> Toby Coleman says, Despite the Beeb saying it's a series opener, I think it is uh, I think it is a better opener than Asylum of the Daleks. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes on to give it 8 out of 10. Lou Gallagher says, Decent. Uh, hello, by the way, chaps. It's been a blooming long time since I commented with a lot of going on. No worries, Lou. I recognise that name, yeah, from... A- a couple of years ago now, I think he used to be a regular reviewer. So I hope you're doing well. Goes on to say that it's a bit of an idiot's retreated lantern, but I do like the uh, the general urban thriller vibe and atmosphere of the story. Goes on to give it a six out of ten. Uh, Harry, our writer, says um, very slick and action packed. I remember it exciting, uh, exciting me for the rest of the 50th anniversary season. If it were up to me, I'd have opted for forkheads instead of spoonheads. <laughs> uh, would have been more menacing. Six out of ten from Harry. Cool. Joseph Howarth, I feel like this is a pretty good episode, even if season seven is one of my uh, is not one of my fave of the new series. Jenna Coleman definitely did have chemistry with the Doctor as Clara. Just a shame they turned her into something worse. Come Capaldi's time yes. on the show goes on to give it an eight out of ten. Though Jeffrey Waddle says the great intelligence is never quite realised as an all powerful threat, and despite some good scenes, it's a bit underwhelming and only makes an above average episode due to the ever watchable Matt Smith. He goes on to give it six out of ten. Cool. Uh, Charlie Turner uh, always wondered what the idiot's lantern would be like as a better story. Well, the Bells of St. John is my answer. Oh. It's not perfect, but despite the random name that this episode has, I would say it's a pretty good episode, 8 out of 10. And lastly, Andrew Stewart says, I watched this the other week with my dad in Scotland, so it's pretty fresh in my mind. I think the story is really interesting and one that I think is very clever. I know a lot of people don't really like Series 7, but I do. I think it's a brilliant opener to Part 2. And goes on to give it an 8.5 out of 10. Sweet. So, yeah, I think... um. The average score, dude, is like a seven and a half, eight, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say around a seven. I don't, um, was it Charlie said about the the mothball and his strange titles as well? Balance yeah. and John, it is an odd title. He, he does that a lot, doesn't he? The witch is familiar. I mean, what, <laughs> it's like it's like cryptic trying to work out how they relate to the episode sometimes. Yeah. But this yeah. one, you're right, it's the, the badge, which is pretty cool. Indeedy. Yes. So thank you to all of you that have uh, contributed with reviews and stuff. As always, it's much appreciated. Next week, dude, what have we got? Yeah, so we'll be back to Torchwood, series two. <laughs> Still on it. Uh, Torchwood is an episode called Adrift. 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 Yeah. So I think this fun? one, if I remember correctly, is a lot of tension between Gwen and Jack in that one. I think oh, she wants no. to go off and investigate and do a missing persons thing. And he's like, no, no, you're not going to do it. <laughs> And there's a bit of to in and throw. Oh, in oh and she stuff. just knees him in the 
<laughs> knackers and gets on with it. Yeah. So interesting times then. So Torchwood. Torchwood, uh, okay. Next week as we get the light is at the end of the tunnel. It's getting larger and larger every week. Mm. If we uh, we either review it or we say it's coming up. So yeah. And I think we'll wrap there, dude. And let's stick a pin in it for 320. Yes, indeed. Thank you. Thank you for coming back and listening to another week of the Big Blue Box podcast. It's been great to have you here as always. Those of you that have just discovered the show, if this is your first time listening or recently, then it's great to have you. Those of you that have come back from a long time ago, the Grizzled Ancient, good to have you here as well. It's good to have everyone back for another week for 320. Next week, as Adam said, we're back to Torchwood for the episode called Adrift. So get your Blu-rays ready or BBC iPlayer. I know Torchwood's still on there, so get that watched because we'll be asking for your thoughts as always. And thank you so much again to our reviewers for this week the bells of saint john whether you sent in an audio clip or you commented on the socials it's much appreciated thank you for that in the meantime remember to follow us uh, or subscribe uh, on whatever podcast app uh, you listen to your podcast on you can listen to us for free every show lands every friday every friday morning here in the uk so make sure you do that so you don't miss an episode and if you've got a minute to leave us a review or a rating for the show, if you like the show, that would be awesome because it helps us out loads and loads. And we're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. You can find links to those over on the website, which is bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. So as long as linking off to those things, you can also listen to every episode and you can also check out all of the cool reviews and articles from our writing team. Those very talented bunch of peeps there, so go and check out their stuff. And we have a free Discord server as well, link on the website. Come and uh, sign up to that. It takes just 30 seconds to do that. And you can come and uh, hang out and chat plenty of Doctor Who with plenty of other Doctor Who fans. Also, remember to check out Adam's channel over on YouTube. It is, of course, The Geek's Handbag. Geek's Handbag, yeah. Plenty of merchandise and location videos and all sorts. All Well, mostly related to Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> Used to do the odd odd Star Wars one, but they didn't get half the views, so I <laughs> just stuck to Doctor Who. Loads of cool stuff, though, yeah. on Adam's channel. So get a cuppa, go and settle in and check out loads of videos. And he's on the socials, too, under the same name, The Geek's Handbag. That's right. Until next time, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Hey. Hey.